friends welcome to sendbot once again we have in our studios an accomplished explorer and an outdoor educator the first indian woman to ski the south pole reena kaushal dharmashaktu please join me in welcoming reena to sendbot reena made the historic ski run as part of an eight woman commonwealth team which crossed a 900 km antarctic ice track to reach the south pole marking the 60th anniversary of the founding of commonwealth She was selected from among 800 applicants. Some of her notable expeditions have been a cycle trip from Calcutta to Kanyakumari to promote cleaner, greener and a healthier India organized by the Women Adventure Network of India. Summit of Sri Kailash 7000 meters in the Himalayas and the first ascent of Mount Argan Kangri 6789 meters in Ladakh with the All India Women Expedition. summit of fluted peak 6000 plus meters with the japanese team and the summit of gangotri about 7000 meters with all women expedition of indian mountaineering federation in addition reena has successfully completed the prestigious mountain instructor course the mountaineering course several times from the national outdoor leadership schools in alaska usa in addition she has also conducted a high altitude backpacking course for national outdoor leadership school several times in the gauri ganga valley in which she crossed the ralam pass at an altitude of 15500 feet and also conducted a backpacking course at the nandadevi base camp successfully completed basic advanced and method of instruction mountaineering courses from the himalayan mountaineering institute in darjeeling reena is a certified wilderness first responder which is an intensive training reena has led some successful expeditions such as the all india women expedition of imf to mount favara rang about 6400 meters in the kinnaur range of himachal pradesh quickly followed by another one to mount nan over 7000 meters in the karakoram range of ladakh reena lives in dehradun and motivates the younger generation in schools colleges organizations and institutions with her talks and experiences for a healthy living and promoting a better tomorrow and a cleaner planet in her professional work capacity Reena is currently working in the sports department for the government of Uttarakhand helping set up a mountaineering institute. She also freelances as an outdoor instructor for the National Outdoor Leadership Schools in USA. Reena is working with I Discovery as an outdoor instructor. She has been a key member for various foreign expeditions as a liaison officer for the Indian Mountaineering Foundation. Reena has also worked as a guest instructor in the Himalayan Mountaineering Institute for various mountaineering courses and has climbed Mount BC Roy over 18000 feet Mount Frey over 19000 feet and Mount Falung during this time in closing i would like to say what she told me casually by the way venki i have climbed some mountains in alaska on that high note uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome reena kaushal dharmashaktu to zenport reena welcome and uh, lovely to have you over here thanks venki thanks for having me on the show actually <laughs> Pleasure. It's an honor. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's very humble of you, Rina. Let's start with. Uh, I I know you are an outdoors person. Let's start with uh, what you believe is spirituality. Yeah, actually, that's a very deep question. You know, you're starting with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> spirituality for me is uh, is happiness. It's like solace. Anything which gives me solace mm. to my soul, mm. which gives me a deep connection, my soul's connection to the higher power. so it can be anything like music yeah. mountains some activity which i enjoy like hiking it can be being with friends it can be doing an activity 
So, yeah, all that is uh, spirituality for me. You know, it makes me feel alive. It makes me feel like I have a better person. It makes me, it gives me a lot of happiness, love, peace. Wow, that's nice. That's, that's really nice. Uh, you know, you have been an outdoors person ever since I met you the first time 10 years back in in Bangalore when you came for delivering a leadership talk and I've, I've been a huge fan of yours ever since. Seriously. <laughs> what do what do the outdoors mean to you, uh, Arena? The outdoors actually, see literally if you define outdoors, that means being out of the house, being out of the office, you know, being in the nature, being in the, in the like below the trees, walking. So that is outdoors. But uh, for me, outdoors is just uh, besides the proper literal definition, it also means my connection with spirituality. See, being there, it is uh, when I'm camping outside and getting up at like 5.30 in the morning just to see the sunrise. And when you see the sunrise hitting the snow-capped peaks, that's the time you realize, you, you realize, you know, this is it. This is nothing. You know, you don't want anything more in life. This is what... We have been born for and this is something I could live for, for and die for. So that is outdoors for me. It's something very rewarding and uh, see, it keeps me fit also. So I have a tendency to put on weight uh, now going outdoors. Every weekend here also we try to go out wherever I am. And then in the evenings I like to go out for walk and then sometimes you know if it's a full moon night I like to go out and just sit even if it is uh, middle of the night. I just like to say, be there. So relevant, so relevant in, in today's time when, you know, uh, we are, all of us are uh, holed up at home for the last three, four, five months globally. Um, I can't, I can't uh, stress more on how important outdoors is. What would be, uh, um, you know, before I get into your journey and how you got here, uh, typically when you go outdoors and, and, and you do that very often. How long is your journey when you do that? And, and share something with us. Sir. Okay, so outdoors, you know, it can be, uh, it depends on the duration. It can be if you're going out on an expedition, at least 20 days, 15 or 20 days, where you're going for uh, climbing some mountains or maybe just doing some mountain passes. Okay. And uh, other than that, you know, like nowadays, what we are doing, just going out on Sundays for a couple of hours. In the morning, we will uh, get up early in the morning and then we'll leave and then be back by the evenings you know whatever we can manage and uh, besides that if it's a short uh, if it is a short short time that you have then it can be four or five days we can just do uh, like hiking every day and then um, yeah that's wow what has been really speaking, and I'm going to ask this really upfront to you, Rina. What has been your biggest moment so far? And please share with the listeners about uh, that moment. What was? Well, <laughs> I'm also going to be very honest with my answer. My biggest moment yeah. has been like the birth of my child. Lovely. He's going to be eight in uh, October, so that has been the most uh, special day and the biggest moment for me. I felt so happy and. Before his birth, you know, I was just tolerant of children and I didn't really like them, you know, I used to stay away. But after, like, looking at him, then after that, I've started liking all children in the world, you know, everybody like, just love them. So, yeah, that's been <laughs> so far the most special moment. <laughs> and what have you named him, uh, Rina? 
His name is Ojas. 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 Uh, gone for so many mountaineering expeditions. He's climbed Everest seven times. So he likes. Uh, he's interested in Buddhism. So his friend had asked uh, the Dalai Lama to give a name for him. So he said Tenzing. So it is Ojas Tenzing, and then Dharmshaktu, which is of course a surname. Very nice. Awesome. Very interesting. Uh, you know, you are the first lady, Arina. I know who who did the uh, massive skiing across across the South Pole and. Uh, tell us, tell us in detail about it, and you know, I, I know you spoke about it, but this is more for the listeners in terms of uh, what was it all about? How did you prepare for it? Give us the whole experience. Okay, okay, that's going to be a very long story. Please do that, and you want to listen to a long story. I have enough time. Okay, so the story started with Felicity Aston. She was a scientist in Antarctica some years back, and she had this idea and inspiration to take uh, women from all over the world different countries for this expedition to Antarctica, from the coast of Antarctica to South Pole. And uh, the selection process, I'll be very, try to be short. No, no, don't be short. Don't be short. Please be detailed. Okay, fine, fine. So she put out an advertisement in the newspaper and, you know, online and people could apply. Anybody could apply. There were no qualifications as such. So there were eight different countries she had, she had selected. She herself being from UK. Then uh, Cyprus, Brunei, New Zealand, and uh, India, Ghana, Jamaica, Singapore. Wow. Wow. So these various countries and over 800 applicants oh my tried God. to get into this uh, expedition. And then uh, she selected 10 participants from each country, these selected countries, and called them for an interview. So we had gone to New Delhi for that interview, and uh, and out of the ten, then she selected two, and we, we were invited to Norway for uh, final selection, and also further training. And from Norway, one person was shortlisted. Then Norway, we were given some training about uh, basic training on surviving on the outdoors in extreme cold conditions. After that, uh, after the final team got selected, that was in. Uh, February 2009. Then in September 2009, we went to New Zealand. And New Zealand for a full and final training where we were trying out our shoe sizes, our clothes sizes, what kind of food they're going to eat. And then further training, like how are we going to fold the tent, unfold the tent, and how are we going to cook, all that. So all that uh, took place. And then after that, uh, the team was ready to go. And then this happened in uh, November, first week of November. We all, uh, end of October, then we all had gathered in uh, London, in okay. Felicity's house only. And then from there, the whole team flew to uh, South America, Chile, and a uh, place called Punta Arenas. Punta Arenas, and from Punta Arenas, then we flew to Antarctica. Okay. And uh, so there were a number of records which were, uh, which were broken by this team. Okay. First woman from New Zealand to ski uh, to the South Pole. First woman from Singapore to ski to the South Pole. First woman from India also to ski Correct. to the South Pole. Yeah. First person from Brunei to wow. ski to the South Pole again. And then uh, Jamaican would have been also the first person. But uh, unfortunately, she had to leave 
Oh no. The person from Ghana also would have been the first person, but she also could not attend the full expedition. So that was the thing. And then uh, you want to know about the expedition. So yes. let me, before I tell you about the expedition, uh, let me tell you a little bit about Antarctica. Antarctica Please. is a. <laughs> if you sail uh, in the south direction from uh, Tamil Nadu or oh. Kanyakumari, and you keep on, then you will hit Antarctica. Oh, okay. It will take you a couple, Yeah. It's the South Pole is the southernmost tip, like it's supposed to be the lowest point of the earth, and Antarctica is supposed to be the coldest and driest place and the windiest place on this planet Earth. Oh, okay. And uh, there is no life beyond the coast. You'll get some uh, penguins and other coastal wildlife, uh, coastal life. And after that, there is because see, the temperature in the summers can vary from anywhere from minus ten to minus thirty-five, and the winters the temperature can be minus seventy-five. Oh, so it's really, really, really cold, you know. And the wind, the highest speed of wind has been recorded over there. So that's the. If you don't take care of yourself, like if you are out there in the wind without gloves, then you, it won't take you. It won't take you very long to get frostbite in your fingers. Oh no! And you can get these uh, permanent cold injuries. You have to be very, very careful. And uh, six months daylight and six months night. So I always think that you know Kumbhakaran must have gone to sleep from Sri Lanka. It's very easy to fly across to <laughs> Antarctica to sleep for six months. <laughs> It's yeah, so that, yeah, the sun used to be just hovering around the horizon. So okay. we were there during the summertime. That means the daylight all the time. Never, never set. The sun never set. Oh my God. And another interesting thing about Antarctica is uh, you can for it doesn't belong to any country. So lots of countries have their bases. And fortunately, the Antarctica is protected by the Antarctica Treaty. So you can't use it for uh, mining. You can't use it for warfare, you can't use it for petroleum products or all these kind of things. So it is still protected, which very is a good thing. Yes, very so good. So every, every base, every country follows their own time. So if you are uh, if you are following New Zealand time, it will be different time. And next to you is a US base, they will be following a different time. Whatever time you want, you can follow. Because the sun is anyways around the horizon. Okay, okay. So that is very interesting. Very interesting, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and how how would, how does the place look? It must be a blanket of white snow, is it? Yeah, this is like everywhere it looks the same almost. Sometimes you pass through the mountains, so you can see some mountains in the distance. And other than that, left, right, center, everywhere it becomes the uh, same, same only. But uh, and the sky is like so vast. Never seen such vast sky in my whole life. And uh, yeah, so. It's uh, difficult to navigate in those kind of places, you know, because navigation means like very easy to get lost unless you're using a GPS or a compass all the time. That's the thing. So, and uh, we started out as a team of eight. Okay. And then later on, uh, Kim was from Jamaica. She unfortunately had to leave the expedition. When we had arrived on a base, then we had gone for an acclimatization hike, you know, getting used to the place and atmosphere. And then that time she got frostbite. Oh no. And after the frostbite, it was uh, really like, uh, 
you know what frostbite is frostbite is a cold injury which can give you permanent side effects like you know it starts with blisters Oh. And then after the blisters, then they become. It can also become gangrene, so you might have to just cut off the limbs. Oh my god! It happens mostly to the extremities of, of uh, your body. Right. So at the first stage only, we came to know she has this, so she had to uh, leave the expedition. It was a big blow for us. The expedition had not even started. And then after a few days, we had no. That was actually right in the beginning only. We had a storm. Oh okay. And blizzard. Uh, and that blew away our tents. Oh. So imagine in the middle of the night you're sleeping soundly and then there comes a storm and then you're trying to protect the tent by like you're not letting it fly away and all that. That's what happened to us. Oh my so God. So it was quite a quite an experience. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, fortunately we were still in our uh, transporters, you know, the base, the base camp. Okay. We were still in the base camp. So it was uh, easy for us. And then uh, there were some tents which they had, so we took shelter there. And then again, we had to, uh, you know, like repair the tents, retrieve our equipment from the snow, dig it out. Because there you can't, you know, there are no extras. You have to use whatever you had got. Correct. Then again, we repaired, we collected everything and we got together. So all these kind of things, we have a snowstorm, we have a expedition member with frostbite. Expedition had not even started that time. Yeah, but uh, in spite of all that, the girls were like full of enthusiasm and passion, and you know, they wanted to go and do what they had set out to do. That means ski to the South Pole. There was never like a doubt, or there had been challenges for us, you know, this extreme cold, extreme wind. Absolutely. But there was never any, <laughs> there was never any, uh, any person who said, no, I want to go back. Never. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a big thing. And, and then you reach the other side. How was the feeling? So, yeah. So then uh, the expedition, we, we got flown to uh, the place called Messner Start. Messner Start is where Ronald Messner, he's a famous mountaineer, one of the most uh, accomplished mountaineers that we have. Mm-hmm. And he had started from there. So we started from there and then uh, we skied for 38 days. And every day we used to change base. Every day we were moving, moving. We started out with 10 to 12 kilometers, 15, 20. Then in towards the end, we were even skiing for 30 kilometers a day. We had, we had roughly covered 900 kilometers in 38 days. Mm-hmm. And we were there for, uh, we were supposed to be there on the Christmas Eve. Uh, not, not on Christmas, New Year's Eve. But uh, uh, we reached there two days before. We were there on the 29th of December, 2009. <laughs> wow. So that was really wow. good. And of course, there were always like, we have issues and we have problems, you know, along the way. Which is expected, you know, it won't be fun otherwise. <laughs> Nothing is fun if it is easy. And then we resolved and then, you know, like, one of the persons were having some, one of our girls from Singapore, she was having some knee issues. Oh no. So we're helping out, you know, like carrying the load, sometimes helping out. Somebody has some other issues, stomach ache, then, you know, you just try to be a good, team member and try to help with their chores and so it was uh, like a very good uh, lesson in team team building to be a part of a team that was really an important learning and you just you can't look at your own like I want to do this you have to you know like uh, look at the whole team and then carry the team with you so that was really very good experience for me 
I'm just thinking about what what you described to me and uh, you know team building and other things there. But there is so much of leadership here, right? For each one of you, really uh, not thinking about yourself, looking at the bigger picture and uh, and uh, you know carrying everybody along and that's, that's so much of a leadership skill, right? If you were to do this again, Reena, would you? Oh yeah, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing it again. So, so a lot of training, needed, a yeah. lot of inspiration, motivation again. But yeah, if I get the chance, I will do it. So a lot of money is involved, you know. Yes. But yes. This, it's one of the most expensive journeys that you can make after the moon, after flying to the moon. Oh, okay. Going. So it's this kind of journey where where you're doing a skiing on your own, and it can be very expensive. So nice to do. Okay. So if you get the money and you can collect a good team, then why not? <laughs> awesome. Our challenges are always good. Of course. It just makes it grow. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so when when you undertake a trip like this, uh, other than the training you actually had, what are the qualities you think somebody should have, or what do you call on uh, before you actually get started mentally for a trip like this? You're talking about uh, hardcore expeditions, or you're just talking about outdoor? Uh, any any outdoor expedition that you do, any major trek. Okay, so you're just generally outdoor expedition. Yeah. Right. So obviously, then uh, first thing that you need, I feel, is competence. Competence. So if you're already a trained person and you're going for an expedition, then we are expecting you to have certain level of competence. That means it can be something as simple as taking care of yourself. When you are out there in the cold, it can be something as simple as keeping yourself how to keep yourself warm and dry. Okay. If you don't, then you can get chills. You can get something even more than that trench foot and all. So, in every way, you need to be confident. Okay. While the map, finding out directions, and opening the route, studying the terrain, maybe be able to study the looking at the clouds and predicting the weather. So all this is a very important traits that you need to have. You know, if you are going on an independent kind of expedition where everybody is uh, a leader on their own, so those kind of things are important. And then you need to have the right kind of mindset. You need to be very physically fit. You're going for this. It's not a picnic, you know. It's not a normal like you're going in the morning and coming back and enjoying having a good time. A lot of challenges can be involved. So physical fitness and physical fitness. It means also mental fitness along with that. It's not just a physical game. You need to be mentally resilient, and then again a team player, and uh, good communication skills. Okay. Because a, a little bit of miscommunication can make the whole, you know, like whole expedition turn sour, which is not a, which is not going to be a good experience again. So this is important. Then uh, obviously for these kind of things you. You should have done prior. You should have prior experience. You should have very good training. You know, you should be confident about yourself. And then outdoor skills and all those technical things are important. But above all, I feel above all, I feel that uh, it should uh, be fun for you. If it is not fun for you, if you're not enjoying that, <laughs> then uh, you should be somewhere else, doing something else, sitting somewhere else, not there under the sky in the outdoors. Tell us Rina's journey. How did how did you get into outdoor? What were you doing? And tell us, tell the listeners about your journey. 
Okay, my journey uh, from childhood only I've been very attracted towards the outdoors. Okay. You know, like the river, just looking at, just thinking about the river, how thought of it. Because when I was, uh, I was in Delhi, I was, my father is from basically from the army. So he was in the army, so we went to various places. So, but I was never next to a riverside. So, you know, going with just the attraction of the river, then being in the mountains, just being outdoors. That was uh, something uh, which I felt an exceptional pull, you know, right from the childhood. And then I was in Darjeeling. My father took premature retirement and he settled in Darjeeling. So there you can see Kanchanjunga, the highest mountain of India and the third highest mountain of the world. And uh, there was something like I used, the first time I saw Kanchanjunga, I remember. There were clouds everywhere, and somewhere way up there in the sky, I could see the peaks, wow. white snow-capped yeah. peaks. So, as a child, I must have been at that time uh, maybe nine years old. I was like, "What is this? This is some kind of fairyland. Is it real? What I'm looking at? I can't. I could not believe what I was looking at." So that you know, that moment onwards, it was like, "Wow, what is there? What this is really magical." So it was a magical moment for me. So. Just being in the outdoors, it was later on. I, after graduating and all, I didn't take up a job in the outdoors. I didn't do training because uh, my parents wanted me to do something. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then uh, later on, I just uh, realized it, it is my calling. I want to do stuff in outdoors only. And eventually, I did do training and I did it in HMI, Darjeeling. And then I, I had done later on, I did in the US also. I worked for Malls, National Outdoor Leadership School. So, that's how it all started. It started in the childhood only and basically because of my father. He used to take us out for long treks and all that. So at no point of time, somebody told you, don't do it, it's too risky, too dangerous. Yeah, my own parents, uh, there was a point when I was like, uh, this is, I wanted to go and do some training and they were like, no, 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 not this. No, why do you want to do this? <laughs> it's, uh, who will marry you? <laughs> in the outdoors, you know, all the time. And the dangerous, of course, I'm sure they must have felt so. Yes. But later on, I was, it was quite easy to convince them. Like, this is what I really want to do. And so they said, okay, fine, then they'll let me pursue my dreams. Wow. And then, of course, I met uh, Lavraj, uh, who's my husband. So in the outdoors only, I met him in Ladakh. So it oh. was like, <laughs> it was destiny for me, you know, like being in the outdoors and everything that I, happens to me in my life, it comes from the outdoors. So I was going for an expedition to Ladakh uh, in Ladakh and he was returning from one and through a common friend we met in Leh. And then of course, uh, after that, it was just a series of coincidences that we kept on meeting in uh, Delhi and, you know, and all that. And then we got married. Nice. So, yeah, so everything I got, it was like I was following my destiny. Awesome. And there were like uh, things which are just falling in place on its own. So I knew this is the right track for me. If, if Rina, at the same moment, if you were not in outdoor sport, let us say the parents had forced you or something said, oh, no, you are not going, what would you have been doing now? Or where would you have been? <laughs> well, see, that. I would have been in some office and getting bored, no? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and being feeling miserable and all that. But see, other than that, now that I've uh, done so much in outdoors, 
now if you, if i think cheese? about it is this cheese uh, what i want to uh, do something other than uh, mountaineering and outdoors because see you can't be so active in this kind of field for a long time right. so then i always think about it so i wanted to be a, in a baking baking i wanted to be a baker once wow now i think <laughs> now i want to i think i want to be some kind of a builder you know building up environmentally friendly buildings where you know like this is man animal content this is just a this is just a wild dream of mine which i'm just letting you i'm just sharing with you there's this man animal conflict where the man is going to animals you know they're encroaching on the forest so i was thinking if we can make uh, buildings and all that where the animals can come and stay with the man wow so that would be nice but that's just a wild dream i don't know <laughs> just and you know these kind of environmentally friendly green buildings they are all huge you need a huge amount of land and and all so if you can do environmentally friendly buildings in small space that would be nice where you can get the sunshine and air and all but uh, let's see now one day maybe i'll thinking about these kind of things it's a great thing you should you should think about it and sustainability maybe put a plan together and share it with somebody and do it in a small <laughs> place i agree with you uh, it is a great uh, उटरा It's called Pandit Nancy Surveyor Mountaineering Training Institute. So right now I'm uh, helping the state government set up that institute also. So to, to be able to reach out to a lot of people, young people, and uh, about with my experiences, and so that would be good. And of course, that exploring new places and all is still always there. I mean, going there are so many mountains. You know, like the India. India has got a lot of uh, mountain peaks which have not been climbed. the most number so that can be there also you know that is an option always there so many dreams and so many places <laughs> yeah. yeah you know uh, the other thing i want to ask you rina was you, you i know you've been speaking at industry events and you you are called to speak to leaders and tell them about your experience because all of us sit in offices and air conditioned cabins and we go to the gym and run on treadmills and that's all we do uh somebody like you obviously has so much to offer when you finish speaking and i remember this event distinctly in bangalore when i when we met for the first time when you finish speaking at events after that typically what kind of questions do do people come and ask you so all they are very curious about antarctica you know they keep on asking about uh, what was the experience like what was your uh, what were the problems how did you manage what was the biggest challenge you know what are the takeaways from there what is the outcome final outcome and what is the learnings these kind of questions are always there and uh, of course then i also like to talk about the environment like we it's a moral duty is most important duty of us as a human being on this planet to take care of the environment so many of the you know nowadays we are suffering a lot yeah. so much of natural disasters are happening 
because we have been uh, very frivolous, very careless about our attitude towards the environment. So much of waste that we are doing, like unnecessary waste. If I'm giving you flowers, for example, and I'll put it in fancy, you know, those plastic glittery papers. Now, what's the need? The, already the flowers are so beautiful. Why do I need to do so much of packaging in it? Then, uh, you know, like packaging, too much of packaging material, too much of wastage of light and people are just like not bothered. They can, just because you can afford to pay it or just because it is free doesn't mean, you know, you've got this responsibility towards the planet, which you need to feel and uh, still missing. Just feel guilty and oh, no, no, this is not, this is not yeah. right. I should not be doing this. So that is uh, very important. Very important for us. Beautiful. And when you are in the outdoors, like when you're in the outdoors, you should follow the LNT. LNT means leave no trace. Okay. It means take care of the environment. Yeah, LNT is uh, it's a trademark from, it started in uh, this, in US. And so we always like, there are seven, eight principles of LNT, which we have to follow. But important, nowadays I've seen, like when I go to the remotest of places on the Himalayas, it just saddens my heart because then I see a lot of this uh, plastic waste and those people who had been there before, the previous expeditioners, leaving their litter there. Why did they carry it only in the first place? No, you can repackage so that you can carry back the garbage. If there's tin, then you just empty it. And then don't take things in tin, you know, you can take it in packets only, which can be easy to bring it back. So you organize yourself you, so that you can bring back. No need to take these kind of English toilets and all that. This is a serious uh, concerns. And there are people who are like, you know, even the government actually, they're trying to implement, impose strict uh, restrictions, which is a good thing. But a lot needs to be done because unless it comes from your heart, you know, you, nobody's looking at you and you just throw the wrapper. Then it's no use. It has to start from the school or from your heart, you know, you, start that you are responsible and everything which you do is going to impact the universe positively or negatively yeah so i was just thinking somebody like you reena should actually i would love to see you being invited by schools and actually teaching the students and and the younger generation because that's where it needs to begin right and they need to go home and tell yeah. their parents right I, so that surely is an opportunity for you and then of course colleges and because I somewhere feel that we are not taught about environment. Uh, we don't impress upon it a lot, right? Uh, while governments are now doing their bit to curb plastic bags and one-time usage and all of that, I think individually we all need to play our part in a small way to protect the environment. Otherwise, 100 years from now, 50 years from now, our kids won't be able to enjoy the world. They won't enjoy planet Earth. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's the fear that all of us have. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so when you go on these expeditions, and I'm going to go back to the spirituality angle now, when you go on these expeditions, do you call an, an inner power or something that is larger than you uh, to actually overcome? When I go on these kind of expeditions, I don't have to call on the inner power, I just feel the power oh, over love. there. Yeah, the more remote it is, the more better it is. The more you feel, you know, something very special. And you just want to, like, I would suggest whoever goes out, even if it's a small expedition, small trips, they should spend some time with themselves. Like, find a spot where you can sit quietly, sit alone, and reflect. 
and uh, you know look at the mountains or look at the moon or the stars and uh, you know there is uh, some kind of a pull that you feel that is a time when you feel uh, so alive and that is a time when you feel full of hope and love and uh, and happiness you know that inner peace yes and this is like sometimes like i am like yeah so it is something that you want uh, to continue it's like you want to just sit there forever and just let this moment this so yeah i would like to share like when i was in antarctica i got up once uh, like i used to be the last person to go inside the tent because my everybody had their fixed jobs somebody was doing the kitchen somebody was setting up the tent you know and somebody was so i my job was like uh, i make sure that everything is anchored well anchored so it doesn't blow away the tent doesn't blow away and i used to put snow on the flaps of the tent you know and so one day everybody had gone in and i was about to go in and then there's uh, this diamond dust you know you heard about diamond dust okay diamond dust is like you know you can feel like a lot of in the air like like rainfall okay. it's not rain falling on you it's a diamond dust which is falling on it's a uh, like crystals snow crystals oh my god which is uh, yeah this happens in extreme cold places so it can happen arctic and antarctica okay so it was like and it doesn't touch you it's falling on you but it somehow disappears as soon as it lands okay. on you okay so so it's just like i was there outside and this diamond dust falling on me and this beautiful land and so it was like a ultimate for me yeah it's always like take yeah. back that those for me i always take back those moments with me to a real life so if there is like a time when i'm feeling low in life and feeling oh nothing's working everything looks hopeless or whatever then i think about that moment wow and i think okay that is uh, like okay fine then gives me strength and courage and hope to carry on in life so there are these kind of moments which you need to like you know capture and bring hope in you wherever you are in real life <laughs> so that's your anchor right that's your anchor that you hang on yeah that's my anchor. yeah real life anchor awesome. yeah <laughs> awesome your your message for aspiring mountaineers you know people will be listening to the show youngsters uh, middle aged people aspiring mountaineers what is your message to them somebody wants to let's say become another rena or wants to go on a small journey or wants to undertake an expedition okay because this is a uh, mountaineering is a field where uh, you are there because you love it okay you can't be there because now what's happened is uh, like uh, some states in india and they giving them jobs for you know climbing mount everest for example so people are doing it just because they getting a job you know so that passion you know you should feel passion for what you are doing if you love doing what you are doing if you love being in the outdoors then do it because when you love something then you will not destroy it also that means nothing in you will uh, let you destroy the environment or let you dirty or bring damage to all that so it is important i always keep on harping on the environment i don't know why i keep on going back to that so <laughs> so yeah so be sure of what you want in life do what you enjoy do what you what brings a lot of uh, happiness and uh, brings out the creativity in you and then after that uh, once you're sure then you know you'll try out various options in life in all those 
And then after that, you know, once you're sure you're on the right track, then stick to it. Because there can be challenges. There will be challenges, of course. Beautiful. Beautiful. And uh, then, of course, I feel like it's important to convince uh, your family about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if they're not, uh, they're not accepting what you're saying, then try to convince them. Because it's very important that you set out with the uh, positive vibes of the people that you love. don't want anything like no 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 why are you doing this this is not we don't support you then it won't be a very good thing try to convince them try to let them know and then of course if the people uh, your family are they will ultimately be convinced because uh, you see there's a core close knit bond in families or in people that you care care of they will not stop you from doing try to convince them and once you get support then there's no stopping awesome. like i get support from my family from my husband so it has been uh, that way it has been uh, more than half the battle won for me awesome awesome, awesome. yeah uh, tell us a little bit about lavraj i know he's uh, i know about him i've heard about him from you tell let the listeners know the incredible thing he's done <laughs> maybe in a line or two yeah he comes from a very humble background you know he's uh, from the himalayas in a place called munjari his village is bona village and uh, very humble beginning and very humble schools that he went to the father was a farmer plus a trader tibet trade and also used to keep cattle so he used to be helping out with his father and a lot of physical you know workout was done because this kind of you know it is and so then later on he became a mountaineer and he's uh, started out as a helper you know for an expedition he had gone to nanda court and he was just a helper in the tent you know in the expedition then he had no technical training at that time but uh, because the people who had come there as uh, the technical lead they got sick so he was given the chance and he was ultimately ended up carrying and ferrying load and opening the route wow. and uh, and uh, like he trained also there only and there and then he ended up climbing the mountain okay. it was like on 7000 meter peak good height wow something like that. so that was a good and after that there has been no turning back for him he has climbed a lot of mountains and uh, he's done more than 50 expeditions and of course the highlight of his life has been uh, kanchanjunga he has climbed and uh, 10 times on the mount everest and out of which he summited mount everest seven times and three times he could not and also there's always a mission to like clean like both of us passionate about same thing like cleaning up so there has he's been uh, instrumental in like getting back a lot of trash from the higher very higher camps of beautiful beautiful yeah and he's got a lot of recognition you know like he got a padma shri and both of us have got a award like uh, the national adventure award tenzing norgay national adventure award oh okay by the yeah both of us i think we are the only husband wife who managed yeah so it's been a good journey for both of us <laughs> so so for and i i have friends who do hiking but uh, nothing close to what you guys do so for you uh, nature is like mother right yeah nature is like something that we really need to take care of and we need to enjoy right right like awesome. i mean that is spirituality actually yes uh, more than going to the temples i sometimes don't get the energy or the you know that feel but when i'm here in that then i feel the power Brilliant. I mean, I yeah, get, 
can absolutely imagine. Yeah, yeah. And I know what you're saying because I uh, I did go and spend some time in the Rishikesh. Uh, and uh, yeah, nature, yeah. Draw, nature draws me to and it's awesome when you see the Ganges flowing and all of that. Yeah, so nature has yeah. the, And I think anything we do to protect it is a good thing. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, okay, good. Let's let's get to a little bit of the rapid fire. I'm going to ask you a quick few quick questions, and you can answer whatever comes to your mind. Yeah. So, uh, uh, describe the following, uh, Rina. Himalayas. Himalayas, abode of God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Lovely. I like that. Antarctica. Antarctica, lonely planet. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Ganges. Ganges needs to be respected, restored, and loved. Okay. Wow, respected, restored, and loved. Ladakh. Ladakh, canvas of nature. Wow. <laughs> and and before I before I close, uh, your advice to all of us: uh, How can we? What can we do to keep to protect nature or make the world a better place? Small things. Please tell us one or two that all of us can do. Okay, okay. Then uh, just be self-aware of what you are doing. Actually, so when you are uh, going out, take a shopping bag with you. Take your own bag. Take your own water. You carry your own water bottle, so that uh, you don't have to buy those plastic. bottles because those are really like dirtying up the polluting the sea the oceans and cause the earth also so do that don't waste light water and uh, nothing is i've seen like in uh, big cities and all people throw the food in plastic bags like the kitchen waste in plastic bag and the cows they come and eat the plastic bag oh no what happens they get stomach aches and there if you there have been some instances in delhi where there has been a postmortem done on the cows and when they opened up the stomach there were only plastic bags which were discovered oh no so then that is uh, horrible i mean obviously they don't have hands they can't open up the yeah. plastic bag and take out the rotis from there no yeah. so it's better if you want to give rotis it's better you don't put it in a plastic bag put it somewhere paper or something you can get it but Don't put it in a plastic bag. Out of consideration of these cows and buffaloes. Awesome. On on, on that. And note, of course, you should get your uh, two things: uh, your waste, your house waste. Get the biodegradable waste separated from the non-biodegradable. And I know, I know that there are steps being taken by societies in India, by people, and all that. But I still think we need to do much more than what we are doing today. And hopefully, in a few years, that will improve. Yeah. Uh, we we need to we need to we need to Proactive. yeah and i think people need to start thinking about leaving the planet a better place than saying let me enjoy it while i am here right so we need to leave it a better yeah. place thought means and then they can enjoy in various ways you know yes. <laughs> you meditation look reflection and looking inside of you you know those are also enjoyments for me at least <laughs> so people can actually find out ways you know not just by you know Rina, yeah. Rina, I want to really thank you for coming on the show. It has been a delight talking to you. I am, I am still thinking about your description of Antarctica. You are skiing across the South Pole, and I can go on. But um, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. 
Yeah, thanks a lot, Venki. It has been an honor to be here, and thanks for having me and thinking <laughs> about uh, interviewing me. You know, it's like it has been a lot of fun talking to you. So I was actually a little nervous, but now looking at the questions, you know, <laughs> as you must be aware. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't like that. I enjoyed giving the interview to you. Thank you. Yeah. So, thank you so much, Rina. You take care, stay safe, and my regards to mm -hmm. Lavraj and my love to Ojas. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye, sis. Bye.